Hey. So. Well, this is going to go one or two ways. You guys get a medicated minister today. So, uh, might not learn anything, but we should have fun over the next few moments. Uh, my name is Tim. I get to serve as, as one of the pastors here, and I'm really honored that you would join us on this Mother's Day weekend. And uh, not only want to welcome those of you in the room, but also want to look into that camera and give a shout out to my mama joining us all the way from Missouri. So glad that you're with us, mama. It was John Wesley, a great preacher and theologian, who said, I've learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England, and uh, that would be true of me. And so a special shout out to my mom. I certainly would not be here if it were not for you in every sense of that word. Uh, so, so thanks for being here. Uh, all the moms in the room, thanks for your investment in us as well. And uh, yeah, we just appreciate you guys value you guys. Um, but, but you guys know as well, moms do some silly things, right? Sometimes moms do funny things. Uh, there's actually a hashtag floating around out there called mom text. And uh, so moms, uh, we have a gift of texting. Here's what one guy said about his mom. He said, uh, I text my mom, mom, have a great day. I love you with a heart. And she texts back, uh, thanks, I will. Uh, but what's less than three mean? <laughs> it's a heart for those of you who don't know what that is. That's a heart. Um, another one said, uh, my mom texts me, Aunt Mary died, LOL. She thought LOL meant lots of love. Uh, <laughs> LOL actually means laugh out loud, just so you're aware. Um, uh, when, I, when I sent my mom anything remotely funny, this is my favorite, she replies with this abbreviation, CLAW, which obviously means cackle like a hen. <laughs> so anytime your mom does something funny, just say CLAW, CLAW. Cackle like a hen, uh, whatever, whatever that means. But moms, we appreciate you. We value you. We uh, recognize you as such a vital, important gift uh, to our lives. So thanks for your investment in us. Well, we are in week three of a series we're calling The Holy Spirit. And week one, we observed what, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives personally. Uh, last week, we discovered that uh, with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings clarity to our purpose and power to carry out that purpose. Well, today I thought it would be appropriate on this Mother's Day, since moms are such a gift, to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, actually, every gift that you have in your life, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you don't even buy into this stuff, but your mom drug you to church today, here's what I know to be true of you. The Bible says in James 1 17 that every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good gift you have in your life is a gift from God. The ability to wake up and to breathe, the ability to, to walk and talk and to, to smell and to taste, to feel, is a gift. Your mom is a gift from God to you. The fact that you woke up this morning smelling the roses and not the roots, it's a gift. It's a gift. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. What a gift. It's a gift that God is consistent. He is steadfast. He is immovable. He is trustworthy in a, in a fast-paced, ever-changing society. Isn't it nice to know that God, who rules the universe, does not change? He is trustworthy. He is steadfast. He is consistent. What a gift. So I'm going to talk to you not only about the, the smaller individual gifts that we each have, but some really big gifts on this Mother's Day weekend that God gives. And my hope, my hope for you on this Mother's Day is that everyone in this room would experience these three gifts. The first gift that, that God gives that I want to talk about, the first fill in your blank there if you're taking notes, is e eternal life. The first fill in the blank there is eternal 
life. Romans 6.3 says this, uh, for the wages of sin is death. Like, like we understand that verse, don't we? Like you're going to wake up, you're going to go to work tomorrow to earn a wage. The result of your labor is a paycheck. The, the, the wages of your labor is that you get to pay the bills this month, right? Uh, well, well, Paul is saying here the, the results of your sin, the wages of your sin is death. Uh, not just a, a physical death, but certainly a spiritual death and actually an eternal death. And some people make the choice to pay the penalty for their sins themselves. That's a choice that that you can make. But the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to pay that wage. You don't have to pay that penalty on your own because it goes on to say, but the gift of God is a gift, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's good news. It's a good gift. You want that gift. Ephesians 4.8 says this, for it is by grace, by grace that you have been saved through faith. And check this out. This is not... From yourself, it is a gift from God. What a gift. Eternal life, what a gift. That you can know God, you can know his presence, his power in your life right here, right now. Have hope not only for this life, but also for the life to come. What, what a gift. I don't know if you've ever received some, some bad gifts, maybe a gift you didn't really care for. Uh, there's another hashtag floating around out there called Worst Gift Ever. And, uh, and so on Mother's Day, I hope you received some good gifts, but some people received some bad gifts. Here's what one individual said. I gave my mom a card. I thought it said, to the mom I love. I read it wrong. It actually says, to the man I love. <laughs> Sorry about that, mom. Um, this next one's funny. Uh, my, my dad... Uh, once got me a dog for Christmas. The next day, the real owner came back for the dog. Hashtag worst gift ever. Uh, here's a puppy. Nope, that's our neighbors. <laughs> Sorry, worst gift ever. Um, Ernest P. Orwell tweeted this. He said, uh, I knew someone who once received a walkie. Not a set of walkie-talkies, just one. Worst <laughs> gift ever. <laughs> go talk to yourself, kid. Just go, just go. Go talk to yourself. Worst gift ever. Uh, but thankfully, God gives us really good gifts. He doesn't give us bad gifts. He gives us good gifts. He gives us the gift of eternal life. Second thing he gives that I, I hope you receive, I hope you experience this, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Gift of the Holy Spirit is your second fill in the blank. Uh, this is Jesus talking in Acts uh, 1, 4 through 5. It says this. He's talking to the disciples. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but, but wait for the gift. This is a gift my Father promised, which I, you have heard me talk about. We talked in week one about five things that Jesus actually said who, about the, what the Holy Spirit will do for you. And, and in John uh, 13 through 15, we see, see over and over Jesus teaching the disciples about this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, you've heard me talk about this. He said, for, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like, check that out. What a gift. The Bible makes this audacious claim that, that God, the very presence of God, who, who created the universe, hung the stars in place, created the mountains, hollowed out the ocean, created all those fish that you see at, at the aquarium in Monterey. Like, what a creative genius God who created all of that. The Bible makes this audacious claim that that same God takes up residence in us when we put our hope, when we put our faith in God. And not only that, but he empowers us to accomplish things here on this earth. What a gift God gives. But there's some bad gifts out there as well. Another hashtag, worst gift ever. This one's actually my favorite. Check this out. Uh, one year, my mom cut the plastic eyes off of my sister's stuffed animals to give them to our dogs as toys. She wrapped them and forgot to label them. Christmas morning, my sister opened all her childhood toys without eyes. <laughs> 
There were many tears that year. <laughs> Worst gift ever. Uh, good idea, bad execution. Uh, this is teenagers. You might want to take note of this in the room. Uh, worst gift ever, my 12-year-old daughter wrapped an old AA battery up with a note that read, gift not included for my 14-year-old, for a 14-year-old brother. That's genius. I'm just saying, if you're running behind on ideas, it's always batteries not included, but gift not included. It's free. It's free information right there. Well, there's some bad gifts, but, but God gives us the gift of eternal life. What a gift. The gift of his very presence abiding in you, residing in you, helping you navigate life circumstances. What a gift. Uh, third gift I hope you receive and I hope you exercise in your life is, is as if that wasn't enough, eternal life wasn't enough, as if the Holy Spirit wasn't enough. He gives us spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is the next fill in the blank. And the Bible references spiritual gifts several times throughout the New Testament and throughout the Bible, actually, uh, the primary list of spiritual gifts are found in 1 Corinthians 12, as well as Romans 12, but there are about 27 spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. And here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12.1. He says this, writing to the church, he says, uh, now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. It was Paul's hope that we wouldn't be ignorant whenever it comes to this topic of spiritual gifts. It's my hope for you, as for us as Central Christian Church, that we wouldn't be ignorant to, about spiritual gifts and, and what they are and how they function in our lives personally, but also in the church collectively. Spiritual gifts often get addressed with caution tape because one of the spiritual gifts is, is speaking in tongues. And so we're, we're very leery of that spiritual gift. And, and my hope for you, my, my hope for, for myself, my family, is that we'd sit aside some of those cautions and just say, say, God, what does your word say about spiritual gifts? God, if you have a gift for me, would I be open to receiving that gift, whatever that gift may be? And that's actually what Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, the misuse of spiritual gifts and how gifts should be addressed in the church. Paul tells us why spiritual gifts are so vital. And this is, this is a, a key verse. If, if, I, if there was a keystone verse, I'm going to give you a lot of verses today, but if there was a keystone verse, it would be this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul's addressing uh, the essence of what spiritual gifts are. And here's what he says. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help others, help each other. I don't know if you want to help each other in life, but if you do, God's giving you a spiritual gift to help you help others. A spiritual gift, here's what he says, a spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children. It's not a natural ability. We're going to talk about what spiritual gifts are not in just a moment, but, but it's a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his kids. So, hey, if you're a Christian today, God has deposited within you, whenever you, you gave your life to Jesus, when, when the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life, he deposited a spiritual gift inside of you. No one's exempt from that. No one's excluded from that. Everybody gets a gift. You get a gift. You get a gift. You get a gift. Everybody gets a gift. It's good. It's good news, right? He's given every, each of his children a gift so that together, here's why, so that together we can advance his purposes in this world. So why spiritual gifts? One, to help others. Two, to advance his purposes in this world. Listen, if you want to help others in life, if you want to advance God's purposes, you want to be on God's team advancing his purposes in this life, then, then Paul is saying you, you need to discover and deploy your spiritual gift. Don't shy away from it, but actually the opposite. We need to lean in to what that spiritual gift is. 
In Romans 12, 3 through 8, we read this. It says, for, for the, By the grace given me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. I, I want to stop there for a moment because I believe at the, the bedrock of all spiritual practice, that the bedrock of all spiritual gifts is, is humility. It's saying, God, it's not about me, it's about you. You're the giver of good gifts. I'm deploying this gift not for my own purposes, not for my own advantage, not for my own influence, my own leverage, but God, for, for you. It says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body, check this out, now he's, he's given an analogy for you. Just as you have, have a body, right, with many members, you have fingers, toes, nose, ears, um, not all have the same function. Check this out. So in Christ, we, though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to each other. It's interesting to me that every time Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he uses your body as an, an analogy, right? He's used your body as, as a reference point. And so I might fall over here, but uh, give me some time. So he talks about, about spiritual gifts in this way. And, and in 1 Corinthians 12, he actually says this. He says, the body is a unit. Though, though we're made up of many parts and though all of our parts are many, we form one body. So when you look at me, you don't say, wow, there's 10 fingers up there. Oh, there's 10 toes up there. There's a gimp up there. You might say that. That, that wouldn't be nice though. Uh, but you look at me, you probably say, there's Tim. There's Pastor Tim. He's on, he's on stage right now. One body, one unit, one name, right? Paul references spiritual gifts in the same way. My thumb has a different function than my foot, but it's essential to this body. My eyes have different functions than my ears, but they're essential to this body. So when it comes to spiritual gifts, each one of you has a unique spiritual gift, but the body cannot function appropriately unless you deploy, you understand, and you exercise your spiritual gift. If you choose not to understand, deploy your spiritual gift, this is what happens. <laughs> right? So, so I, I blew out my Achilles, and uh, it's a fun process, to say the least. Um, but perhaps God allowed the timing of this to take place so you could hear this and you could see this. Because when the Achilles doesn't do its job, other parts of this body have to overcompensate. And so my, my left leg is getting much stronger, but it is very sore. Because it's overcompensating for the right. My hands never really hurt as bad as they do right now because I'm constantly feel like I'm doing dips, but I'm not getting any stronger in my upper body. Sorry, Tiffany. Um, but I'm overcompensating, right? And, and my, my hip feels painful at night because I'm bouncing around on one leg all day. And I say that to say this. Some of you have a gift, but you're not using your gift. As a result, the church is on crutches, so to speak. And we're overcompensating because you've chosen not to deploy that gift. You've chosen not to jump into the game. And I'm just saying, God has gifted you beautifully, uniquely, profoundly, so that we wouldn't gimp around on crutches as the local church, but we would be a, a healthy body running to deploy our God-given purpose here in the Bay. And we need you to dis discover, exercise, and deploy your spiritual gift so you don't look like this, right? Okay, okay, fun time over. Um, okay, back to what Paul was saying in Romans 12. In verse 6, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And that's just a snapshot of some of the spiritual gifts that God gives. And so my hope for you over these next few minutes, we would understand what spiritual gifts are and that we would learn to take hold of those in our own lives and deploy them in our life personally, but also collectively in the local church. So uh, as we embark on this, let me tell you what spiritual gifts are not. Spiritual gifts are not. So if you're taking notes in the bottom section of that first page, here's what spiritual gifts are not. Uh, Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Natural talent is certainly a gift, and it's my hope for all of us that we would deploy our natural talents for spiritual purposes, uh, but spiritual gifts and natural talents are, are different. A lot of times they work together synergistically, but they are two distinct functions. Second thing, uh, spiritual gifts are not given to the spiritually, the elite few. They're not given to the elite few. Everyone, as we saw uh, just a moment ago in 1 Corinthians twelve seven. Uh, every follower of Jesus has one or more spiritual gift. They're not reserved for the ultimate spiritual ninja warriors in the room. Uh, third observation, that spiritual gifts are not a sign for spiritual, spiritual maturity. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. I've known a lot of uh, very spiritual, immature people who are doing a lot of ridiculous things, uh, but for whatever reason, by God's grace, he still allowed their spiritual gift to function in their life in a very powerful, very profound way. Uh, So spiritual gifts are not a sign of maturity. Fourth observation is this. Spiritual gifts uh, are not the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit and spiritual gifts are are distinct things. Every believer should have spiritual fruit in their life, Uh, just like an orange tree bears oranges, Uh, just like apples trees bears apples. Uh, If you're a follower of Jesus, here's the fruit we should produce in our life. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And so if you want to see the marks of a very spiritually mature individuals, you'll see that kind of spiritual fruit. They're more loving. They're more joyful. They got peace. They're patient. They're kind. For me, uh, here's the challenge. Uh, if, if spiritual maturity is based on knowledge, here's the challenge in the New Testament. The Pharisees win every time. But if spiritual maturity is based on spiritual fruit, then the question for me, the litmus test for me is how patient am I? How, how joyful am I? How, how, how faithful am I? How, how gentle am I being in the midst of conversations? How self-controlled am I? That's, that's indications of the Spirit's activity. That's the fruit of the Spirit in my life. So spiritual maturity is evidenced by spiritual fruit, not spiritual gifts. Fifth, uh, spiritual gifts are not something to fear. They're not something to fear. In fact, it's just the opposite. We should desire spiritual gifts in our lives personally and in our church collectively. So here's uh, the best working definition I could come up with for spiritual gifts. If you're taking notes, the back next page, here's what it is. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in this world. Let me read that again. 
A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability. Like when you're, when you're doing your gift, when you're in your gift, uh, you know God is working through you in that moment. And oftentimes your gift is very challenging for someone else, but it comes very naturally to you. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each, every one of you, every one of his children, so that together we can advance his purposes in this world. So here's my hope. Here's my hope for every one of us. Uh, I'm going to give you three statements that I hope can be true for every one of us. The first statement is this. uh, Discover the gifts God has for me. I want to discover the gifts God has for me. Uh, now, now, some things we do just because they have to be done, right? There's a great preacher, Andy Stanley. He says this. Uh, when the house is on fire, don't tell me about your spiritual gift. Just grab a hose and put out the fire, right? And so some things in the church just have to be done. And, and so it's no excuse for us to stay on the sidelines and say, well, whenever I discover my spiritual gift, then I'll get involved. No, we got a lot of fires to put out around here. And so, so if you want to help, like just grab a hose and help us put out some fires. And while you're doing that, I hope you discover your spiritual gifts. Uh, it, we don't need to overcomplicate things, I guess is what I'm saying. Nevertheless, the Bible makes it clear that every believer has been given a spiritual gift. And when you use your gift, uh, we might, what might be really challenging to the person sitting next to you will likely come very easily, very naturally to you. As we read earlier in Romans 12, 6, it says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. It's a gift. I remember growing up, I hated this. I hated public speaking. Uh, throughout high school, I would literally pay people on my team to do the public speaking so that I could stay in the shadows, I could stay in the background. But for whatever reason, I believe it was a spiritual gift. Whenever I started following Jesus, when I surrendered my life to God, there was nothing I wanted to do more than to help people understand God's word and apply it to their lives. And so, so it's, a, it's a special gift that, that maybe not aligned with your upbringing, may not align with, with the way you were, but then you started following Jesus and he deployed a gift into your life for you to deploy in the church. Ephesians um, 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship. The New Living Translation says masterpiece. So, so it says you are God's masterpiece. Like a lot of detail. Some of you are artists in the room. You, you delight. You take a lot of detail and attention to, to the, the art piece that you're, the canvas that you're addressing or the, the sculpture that you're shaping. And it's the same imagery here. Like you are, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Check this out. To do good works, not to sit on the sideline, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Before you were born, check that out. God had plans for you. He had a purpose for you. And he's, he's, he's gifted you according to that plan, according to that purpose. So it's our job and it's also our joy to discover, discover that good work and to do it. Um, Psalms, this is David speaking in Psalm 139, 13 through 16. He says, for you created my inmost being, like, like everything about you. Your, your emotions, your, your insides, uh, your disposition in life. He, he created that. He created it wonderfully. What a gift. Uh, for, for many of you ladies, no matter how gorgeous you look, you look in the mirror, you see something wrong. Uh, fellas, no matter how fat we get, we look in the mirror, we're like, what's up? Hey, let's go, right? That's David. He's like looking in the mirror and he has this moment. He, he's like, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Happy Mother's Day. I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Oh, what a gift. He says, your, your works are wonderful, and I know it full well. That'd be my question to you. Could you say that? Could you say, man, I know how you shape me. I know how you wire me. You knit my insides together. And here's the deal. I know it. I'm excited about it. 
And then he goes on to say this, because all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Like he's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. Great intention. Great intentionality is behind your gift, behind your wiring, so that you can deploy it for God's purposes here on earth. That's one of the reasons I'm excited to kick off a class we're calling Thrive this summer to help you discover your spiritual gift to help you discover your God-given purpose and how to deploy that uh, in this world. So uh, our hope is this summer in June, July, we're going to launch that. We'll be hearing more about that in the weeks to come. If you're taking notes, you might write this down. Um, Tweet your peeps this. Here's what it says. Uh, Here's what I wrote in my notes. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. God's design in you reveals God's destiny for you. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Scott and, and Jason are like crazy, you know, Jenny, crazy artists, crazy musically inclined individuals. If you hear someone clapping very loudly off beat, that's probably me. Uh, cause I don't, I don't clap on beat. I can't sing and my vocal ability is next to nothing, right? Um, and, and so I know that God has not designed me to be a worship leader. Therefore, my destiny is not to be a worship leader, right? But God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. So how has God shaped you? How has he wired you? How has he gifted you? That likely is going to speak to the destiny that God has for you. All right, second observation is this. Uh, My hope for you is that we would develop the gifts God has given me. I hope you would develop the gifts God has given you. Uh, Gifts change and mature. Just like uh, we age in our abilities and we age with time, you know, I'm able to do some things now that I was not able to do at the age of eight. Uh, my hope for all of us is that we would mature with age. We would grow spiritually. Uh, well, probably one of the saddest aspects of my job is to see people mature with age while remaining immature spiritually. Uh, my hope for you, my hope for me, is that this wouldn't be your first year for the eighth time, right? But we would all take action steps. We would all, we would all set aside fear. We, we would embrace courage to say, okay, God, I, I, even though it feels uncomfortable, I'm going to take a step. And I'm going to get into a group. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to serve. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to use the gifts and talents you've given me for your purposes here on, on this earth. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, uh, follow the way of love. And check this out. And eagerly desire spiritual gifts. What, what's the gift that you're eagerly desiring? Uh, what are you asking God for to help you be equipped to help people and to advance God's purposes in his kingdom? Uh, what, what is that gift? Uh, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Second Timothy 1.6. Some of you, you already know uh, what spiritual gift God has given you. And here's what Paul would say to you. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift God has, uh, uh, the, fan into flame the gift of which God, uh, uh, it's a medication, I pray, no, I'm sure. Um, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. There it is. Simple English. Wow learning. I'm learning. Um, so God's given you a gift. Don't let it remain dormant. Don't sit on the sidelines with that. Deploy it. Use it. Um, once we discover our gifts God has for me, then we develop the gift God has for me. Then third, final, is this. Uh, use the gift God has given me. I need to use the gift God has given me. First uh, Peter 4.10 puts it this way. It says, God has given each has given gifts to each one of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Like, there's variety. Aren't you thankful God's a God of variety? He's not, he's not vanilla. He's Baskin-Robbins. There's a lot of flavors, right? He's got a great variety of spiritual gifts. And here's what Peter would say. Manage them well. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. 
John Maxwell said this. He said, when you find your spiritual gift, God will give you an opportunity to use it. When the opportunity presents itself, I would encourage you. I would challenge you. I would, with all, the, all I can muster, <laughs> use your gift. Otherwise, we're a church on crutches. We don't want to be that church. We need you. We need you to deploy your gift. More than anything else, more than packed out buildings and auditoriums, it's my hope for you, my hope for our church, that Central Christian Church would be a place where people discover God, where they find freedom in Christ, where they discover their God-given purpose, where we together go and make a difference in this world. My dream is that everyone who calls Central their home would find a place to serve. And you could say with conviction, while you're serving, I was made for this. I was made for this. Danny Simpson lived in Ottawa, Canada. I don't know if we got any Canadians in the room. But in Ottawa, Canada, yeah. Uh, the year was 1990 and Danny was desperate. He, he was short on money, short on resources, short on skills to earn money. And so out of desperation, Danny took a pistol, a family heirloom, and went to a bank and held it up. And out of that robbery, Danny got $6,000. Only problem was that Danny wasn't a very good bank robber. So he was quickly arrested. Uh, at his court hearing, two interesting things happened. Uh, one, Danny was sentenced to six years in prison uh, for the crime that, that he committed. And his uh, opportunity to really thrive diminished greatly. But while he was in the courtroom, they investigated the evidence. And they looked at the pistol that he used to rob that bank. And it was the type of pistol that gun collectors look at with salivating stares. It was a Colt 45. It was an antique. The gun was made by Ross Rifle Company in 1918. And it was valued at $100,000. Did you catch that? Danny robbed a bank for $6,000 while having a hundred grand in his hand. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're always looking for something that is just beyond your grasp? Well, today I want us to consider, perhaps it's already in your hand. Perhaps God has already given you the gift you're looking for. Maybe if we would just embrace and delight in eternal life and what that means. Maybe for us to discover the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life and what that means for us individually and us collectively as a church. Maybe it's to, to once again embrace and go back to the roots of spiritual gifts God has given each and every one of us. Maybe it's time for us to look no further, but rather to discover the gifts God has given us. Develop the gifts God has given you and to use the gifts God has given you. Because there is no price tag you can put on those gifts God has deployed and deposited into your life. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for spiritual gifts. We thank you, God, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for the gift of eternal life. And God, in a room like this, we recognize that maybe some people haven't fully embraced those gifts. And so, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do in our lives, personally, and in this moment together. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, when you talk about eternal life, when you talk about 
paying the debt for my own sins, my own mistakes. I, I'm not sure I've experienced that. So let me just be honest, that's where it starts. You can't experience the Holy Spirit until you experience Jesus and experience eternal life. You can't embrace the gifts he's given you until you start there with salvation, being set free from your guilt of your past. And so if that's you, I would just invite you to simply say a simple prayer like this. Maybe you want to cross that line of faith today. I would invite you to say a prayer like this with me. God, I recognize I've blown it throughout my life. I've made mistakes, and I hear that's called sin. I've missed the mark. But God, I've, I've heard about Jesus and how he paid my debt on a cross so that I could find freedom, so that I wouldn't have to pay my fine myself. So God, I pray that you would come into my life, forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose again. I pray you give me the gift of the Holy Spirit. Give me a fresh start, a new beginning today, and help me face the challenges I'm up against.